We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the Men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 128, Men from Moto. My name is David Spill, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I have opinions. I understand you have opinions, <laughs> and I, I can't wait to hear your opinions about things. But realistically, though, um, uh, how how's the how's the magic going this week? Really good, actually. I've had a good bit of fun uh, with the new set, both in draft and in standard. Uh, pretty happy with Eldraine, I would say. I have heard some limited drafters who I respect a great deal say that this is a, a front runner for best limited set of all time. And I wasn't seeing it Monday, but I can kind of see it today. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've drafted enough yet to have an opinion on it, but the drafts that I've done have been have been fun. I've done a few on Arena, um, and I did a couple of paper drafts at, uh, at Draft Weekend, so I do have a little bit of experience. We can certainly talk about our uh, limited experiences from a pod drafting perspective. Um, and um, before that... Anything cool and standard that you uh, that you're seeing so far? Maybe we should we should quickly touch on that. I am playing Simic Flash, and it is the worst decision I have made ever in the history of man ever. Except it's not for the reasons why you think. Elaborate. You told me I would hate playing Simic Flash because Teferi was a thing. I haven't lost to a Teferi yet. Do you know who I lose to? Esper? Turn to Oko. Oh, do you know who I do you know who I lose to? Field of the Dead. Do you know what can't be countered? Zombie tokens. Yeah. Do, do you know what? Do you know what gets Field of the Dead? Nothing. Literally Golos. nothing. Oh, I thought you meant beats it. No. Do, do you know what beats counter spells? Or do you know what beats Simic Flash? That is like an eight of in every single green deck ever. Veil of Summer and Shifting Ceratops. Okay. So, like, it's like a perfect storm of everything. It's like all of these people are like, oh, man, I, I got to be careful of Teferi and all these black removal decks. And they all their sideboards just line up perfectly against Simic Flash, and it sucks. Okay. And, and that's, the end of, that's the end of my rant about how much I hate the deck that I chose for Standard. So, so you told me to track data, and I actually did. And I thought I had a deck. So I, I learned a couple things. The first thing I learned is I'm not actually that good at standard, which kind of didn't surprise me uh, because, like, I've kind of built myself as a limited expert and I'm still learning standard because, like, I was honest as I took the data and wrote, like, my wins, my losses, and why I lost if there was a reason other than just natural gameplay. And there were, like, probably one out of four games where I did something stupid, and that's why I lost. And, like, I feel like you're going to lose some percentage of games because you do something stupid, but I would need to get that into like a one out of 20 range before I think I can start talking with expert opinions about standard. And I think that's fair. And it like, it's a place I'd, I've got some, some growth potential. I built a deck that I thought was going to be pretty good against Golos looking through the records. I, I won three out of five. So like it was, but that's an exceptionally small data point. The rounds that I won took forever uh, because I was basically playing an uh, Esper Dance of the Mance variant with Fae of Wishes main deck. It was super fun and super flexible. And the Fae of Wishes actually did what I wanted them to do, which was blocked against the aggro decks and went and got me a relevant sideboard card against Golos. Like the deck was fun and it was fine, but the matches probably took like 45 minutes if you didn't lose quickly. So I, I don't think it's particularly good for laddering. And I don't know that it's better than Golos. It was just kind of fun. So I, I think we're in like the Golos years right now. And it's starting to look to me a little bit like Aetherworks Marvel did, which actually has me somewhat interested in playing Standard. You may recall when Aetherworks Marvel was the thing, I kind of got super into Standard because there was only one deck you needed to learn, 
learn it inside out and be prepared for the mirror. And like, I can do that competitively. So I, I understand this is a standard format. A lot of people will hate if it does tend to be dominated by Golos and Field of the Dead. Uh, but that sounds great to me. Interesting that there was abandoned restricted announcement this week, I want to say. I don't remember the exact date that said there were no changes. And then today, at the, the day of the recording, Wizards announced that they were moving up the next band and restricted announcement to be the end of October, which is after the next Mythic Championships, if I remember correctly, um, which has led to some wild speculation. Would you like to partake in some wild speculation as to why they would move up the band and restricted list after all of the decks were submitted for the next Mythic Championship? I can't think of a single reason, David. Can you? I can think of. I can think of four reasons, or at least four ofs, in a deck. Um, I'm setting the line. If I was a gambling man, I would be setting the line, I mean. at I would set the over-under probably at 70% of the field playing some number of Field of the Dead. And, and I think that I would probably take the over on that, so I should probably even move that line a little higher. You think Field of the Dead is the one that gets the axe, not Golos? Yeah, I definitely think Field of the Dead gets the axe. Because I think I think Golos would be interesting without Field of the Dead. I think you could you could still have Golos decks that would be interesting and not oppressive. And I think Field of the Dead go to, goes in just so many decks is is the thing. Um I was playing a little bit on the ladder today. Now albeit I'm in like silver right now because I ranked all the way down to bottom of bronze, so I'm slowly climbing my way out of that mess. Um and I was running into Field of the Dead decks that weren't like they were like four Field of the Dead, four Golos, and then just some random shell around it. It I, I've seen like Teamer, I've seen Bant, I've seen Five Color, I've seen like all sorts of everything except Grixis colors. I think is the only color combination that I haven't seen um, playing Field of the Dead. So I I, th- I think that Field of the Dead just gets the axe. I think um, it's too oppressive to have a card that can't be reasonably countered or removed because we really don't have any good land destruction now that field is uh, or not yeah uh, field of rune is rotated out right mm-hmm. so there's no real good land destruction um there's no aside from wiping the board every turn you can't really do much about it but once you've stuck two or three fields of the dead like the game's grinding to this halt and especially in the mirror it grinds to the halt so i think if you're banned or restricted field of the dead um golos could go and just i don't know play historic on a farm somewhere upstate and i think everybody would be fine with that so um yeah that's what i think i don't think golos gets banned i think field of the dead gets banned and standard players will rejoice on arena is my guess they probably will on arena i just i always think it's a huge failure whenever there's a banning like especially since we have a playtest team now, right? Like they're not going to catch everything and understand that, but like the last standard cycle kind of ended with this Kelthus deck that was like, I'm not going to lie. It was difficult to think of interesting ways to do coverage on fandom when we're watching people literally just, I can't say the exact phrase I'd like to, but twiddle their thumbs over and over and over until the combo finally killed or bored their opponent to death. And sometimes that could take five minutes and like, I can only work so many puns in there or get prep coin going for so long before it's like, what are we supposed to say now? What are we supposed to do? Um, so we go straight from that into this. Like, I don't know, man. Some of the best magic I've I've, I've ever played has been in some of these broken formats, though. So I, I feel like when there's one best deck, that is a place where skill can come out. I've also had people tell me that Golos isn't a problem because that new black enchantment that's so good in draft is just going to be a way to beat it. Like, all you have to do is land two of those, and they can never kill you. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. And maybe that was the reasoning inside, like, play design, right? Or or playtesting or whatever it's called, um, is that you play Ethereal Absolutions, and you play Revenge of Ravens, and maybe you put them in a Abzan, Rampy-ish color combination, and you try to get those cards down as soon as possible. Like, maybe that's maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Well, that's what I'm doing but, tomorrow. Thanks. I mean... It would be fun. It would be fun to try. But, like, I, I think what, what probably ends up happening there is that the deck that you think might counter it, it just stone loses to everything else in the format. And, and probably that case, deck, then, too. Exactly. 
and then you still probably don't win 50% of your or more than 50% of your games against the the field of the dead matchup because your draws just don't line up right so I don't know I don't think it's a failure because I, I think it's I think it's just experimentation that ended up on the bad side of of where it should have been right like you can if you don't push the envelope on formats like this then you're just gonna end up with boring and stale formats and this format is not boring right like it's just stale and then if if everybody is playing the same version of the deck but it didn't end up in like 45 minute 50 minute grind fests where like the person who had four more zombies wins on the last turn of of going to time (laughs) in the mythic championship like i think that would be fine but i think what you're going to see is i think that the paper version of this matchup and this mirror matchup is just going to be so boring and grindy and time consuming that it just makes sense that like it sucks to play against it sucks that everybody's playing it and the mirror sucks in paper that we'll just cut it and then standard will fix itself it's it's a hot fix for the format and i think that's totally fine i don't think it's a failure on wizard's part well it it also makes me recognize that having the game that i play tied to a paper version thereof does have some drawbacks now and then because like i i've really not made this a secret i don't really care about paper magic anymore that's not my jam i like to play digitally i I don't have anything against people who play paper but if this was a digital only game this is such an easy fix you just add a card into the card pool that counters it or you errata you know stone rain to be legal there's so many different things you could do to give people counterplay to this and wizards just doesn't have that option because we've got to wait you know realistically six months before an answer could even you know begin to, to show up I think I found it interesting too that specifically with this is people are looking to beat the mirrors. So they're like, they're always one upping the next best thing in the mirror, in the sideboard or in the main deck, but it all just boils down to having field of the dead mm-hmm. or trying to find a way to deal with field of the dead. And I think, I think that's the problem, right? Like Golos doesn't matter except for the fact that it gets field of the dead. So yeah, it, I mean, if, 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 if Golos got a basic, no, no, big or, deal. or, uh, then it's no big deal. Then who cares, right? Like, whatever. Um, so, I mean, whatever. You know what? I, I'm not complaining about it because I don't play enough standard to really have an opinion outside of what I just shared. Um, but, like, if I turn on the Mythic Championship and it's, uh, and it's like, 70% Golos mirrors, I'm just going to watch whatever, like, the draft format is, and I don't care about the rest. I'm just going to skip standard. Well, we've got another fandom cast coming up tomorrow, and it would surprise me if we don't see a lot of Golos lists. And there's, there, you're right, there are some other cool decks out there. I think the Esper Eggs deck is pretty cool. I've seen various... Uh, Croakies made a really cool like uh, black-green knight adventure deck uh, that I thought had a lot of promise to it as well. It was similar to the Jund list I had tried in the Caster's Cup. Like, There's a lot of cool things you could be doing, but none of them are as good as Field of the Dead. Right. And I mean, who knows? Maybe given enough time right? Like people will figure it out and find a way to, to deal with it. Or maybe in the next set, there's a real, there's like a pressure release valve for it. Um, but in the meantime, if the next three and a half months of standard in paper or standard on arena is just going to be miserable, then like, what's like, what's the point? They might as well just hot fix it and just say like, Hey, like, you know, we broke it. It was fun for a while with scape shifts, you know, because there was other like better ways to deal with it, or there were still ways to deal with it that have rotated out since, or there were other, you know, decks in the format that could get over, t- like go around it quite easily. So you ended up with more like a paper, rock, scissors. But right now it's just like, it, it's it's rock versus scissors. And it's whoever brings the biggest rock to the fight wins the, <laughs> the mirror matchup. Good old right? rock. It's like rock versus rock. <laughs> Nothing beats rock. Yeah. Except a bigger rock. So that's that's my take on it. But whatever, like, I, I just don't care at this point. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to wait and see what happens in the band. No, I'm, I'm going to wait and see what, like, I'm not going to play the deck. Like, I'm not going to go craft my four fields of the dead because I'm pretty sure I don't have any. Um, I have no interest in learning it right now, hence why I poorly chose Simic Flash. Um, and I'm still kind of holding on to hope to to play my team or elementals deck once in a while. Maybe not on the ladder, just when I need to do, like, a red quest or something. Um, so, like, I, I'm, it's not the target audience for me. So we'll see what happens with the ban and restricted announcement. People are going to be angry. People are going to be happy. The world keeps on spinning. I'm, I'm kind of done with that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. Okay. But what we can talk about is we can talk about limited because you did a fair bit of limited over the last couple of days. Um, I actually did a couple of paper drafts and some on arena, not on stream, but I did do a few on arena and I almost, almost opened up magic online yesterday. Mm -hmm. Almost. 
but then I remember that I had no tickets and I'm not going to buy into that. So I, I, I can avoid that for at least another couple of days before I, before I open up the old wallet and pull out the credit card. You may have um, to brother. But, uh, I don't, I, I don't think I can. I think I'm off that train, but regardless, I have had fun with Throne of Eldraine with the exception of some sealed. Mm-hmm. Not really going to worry about that. What's your take on Throne of Eldraine so far? Like, I mean, obvious, obvious arena issues aside. Can I talk, but we're going to let me talk about the obvious arena issues. Cause man, yes. I'm a charge in my fireball. Okay. So my, my take so far is that it seems like you can almost draft whatever you want and it's viable it seems like there's like inherent two for ones built into so many of the cards that it feels like you never run out of options. I had a game today where I sent my Reaper on an adventure to discard two cards, played it, attacked with it. My opponent used a removal spell and an onborn cauldron to kill it, but I bounced it and their token, sent it on the adventure again, and then cast it again. I don't even know how many cards I got for that one card. But it was a lot. So, like, if you want to draft value, you can draft value. I drafted an aggressive red-green uh, deck, and it was actually kind of bad. I don't think red's very good. Uh, but you can draft aggressive decks if that's the direction you want to go. It, it felt like the creatures were just kind of too big to get through. And since a lot of them came with food kind of tacked on, it, it feels like aggro isn't exactly the right way to go. But, like, I, I think short of that, you can draft any strategy that you want from, like, a value controly deck and a mill deck to a flyer's deck to a big creature's deck. Like, it kind of feels like, you know, open season, draft what you want to draft. I think aggro can be a thing. Um, I, I, you know, we always talk about aggro is never a thing in a format, it seems like. But I think you just have to draft your aggro deck or play your aggro deck knowing that your opponent's going to be at 26 life when they when the game starts, right? Or 29 life or whatever. Um, and sometimes you can race that out. Like you just have to be, I think, very focused, which, which is really cool because, you know, usually we see an aggro deck or, and it's like, it's, it's only aggro like one out of 20 times. And then like, it, it just falls flat on its face every other time because your opponent, you know, has a bunch of one, four blockers and you can't get through them. I don't think that's the case in this format specifically because of like adventure combat tricks and the fairy guide mothers and things like that in white, um, or extra ways to get reach out of, you know, the trebuchet in red or the, the spitting, whatever it is, the two, one in black and things like that. Just extra ways to push through extra damage mm-hmm. that are effectively enter the battlefield effects on your dorky little, little two drops, uh, or one drop. So I think, I think, I think it's pretty cool. And I think it's interesting that, um, that the aggro in this format has to push through that little bit extra. Um, but it, it can still happen, which I think is pretty cool. And it, maybe it's more correct to think of these as aggressive combo decks in a way, because the one mm-hmm. that I played, it had some of the one, two double strikers. And when I drew those without support, man, did they suck. But when I was able to do the, you know, six drop tree, explore onto them or whatever, and make three, four double strikers, I won those games. So it was like, if I could draw these cards in the right combination and kind of build my, my Voltron creature or whatever, it was pretty dang good. And if I didn't draw them in the right order, it was kind of bad. Now, that that doesn't mean that the deck is bad, because again, you know me, it's not like I'm going to mulligan and limited, but a, a reticence to mull is going to like be better for somebody that's playing mid-range than somebody that's playing a combo deck. So it may be that like if I'm going to draft something like that, I've got to mulligan to have a better opening hand than than I'm really used to. Mm-hmm. In the um, the best deck that I drafted was one in paper, and it was a green white adventure deck. And w- one thing that I noticed with this deck, and maybe that's why it was so good, maybe it maybe it's just small sample size, is that I had a bunch of little mini combos. Mm-hmm. And so I would have things like uh, Fairy Guide Mother and the two three Death Touch that when it hits a player draws a card. Okay. And so it's like now all of a sudden I have a little bit of a card draw engine, right? Or the uh, the the innkeeper and obviously any adventure card and things like that, right? So you end up with like these. I ended up with a bunch of these little mini combos where um, I, I felt like I could get a lot of value and I didn't need to work to put them together because they were cards I'd be putting in my deck anyway. Like Fairy Guide Mother is pretty good, um, you know, in a lot of decks, especially if you're looking to attack your opponent really early in the game. Um, and obviously the Innkeeper is really good if you're playing like, you know, five or six or even less, who knows, adventures. I don't even know what the appropriate number is. So I, I think it was really cool. Or you see people playing the the Witch's Oven and the, the cat combo. I did that. And I, it was good. It was pretty good. But I've seen people just play like one oven and one cat 
and then it's fine because you have a bunch of other food makers if you're in green black or whatever right like you're gonna have some other random pieces of food but if you ever assemble the combo it's just like sweet but you're playing those two cards i mean maybe you're not playing the oven by itself but you're certainly probably playing the cat by itself if you have any other food support so it's not that hard to assemble a combo and if you never assemble it it just you don't feel that punished for it in a lot of cases so so i think i think it's pretty cool i think it's an interesting format um I don't have near enough experience to be able to speak with any kind of like relative authority on it. Um, but I've had a lot of fun with it so far and I'm learning a lot of things, you know, watching people stream, you know, consuming content, reading articles, doing simulated drafts, going through draft logs. And I think it's really cool. I'm very engaged with the limited amount of time I can spend on this format. I, I, I've drafted it for three days and I've had fun like that. As far as a recommendation goes, I expect I've played it in the, more in the past three days than your average player will over the lifetime of the format, right? Because like that was probably something like 20 hours that I've spent playing it. I had a good time, and I'm looking forward to doing it again tomorrow. I think that right there just speaks volumes to how good the set is, Yeah, given your last year or so of limited play. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Like There were some sets I didn't like as much, and this is certainly not one of them. I dig this one wanted to touch quickly on that aggro um kind of comment that you made about about drafting the aggro decks um the the green white adventure deck actually had some interesting aggressive lines in it where um i was playing the one drop two one and when it dies it puts a plus one plus one counter on something Mm -hmm. playing a few of the two ones and a bunch of fairy guide mothers and i had in the finals both games two and three where i was like attacking my opponent for six on turn three turn two turn three um, and then five on turn 11, because I would go one drop into two drop into fairy guide mother, swing for six, play a fairy guide mother, swing for five the next turn. Um, and on both in both of those games, my opponent didn't have time to use their food tokens because they're on like turn four or turn five with a bunch of mana. And it's like, OK, either I play a blocker or I don't and I use my food and they didn't really have any other options. So I think, um, you know, I think uh it's absolutely possible to draft that deck and and I look forward to trying it again, but there's so many different things. You can play mill, you can play combo, you can play um, mid-range strategies. There's some good mid-range cards, like the removal on three and four mana, you know, green and black and, and red and things like that. Like, it's all very good. So there's some there's some cool strategies. I'm looking forward to exploring the format a bit more. I, I had, you'd mentioned many combos and like, this was another one. I had a deck with two ovens, one cat, but I also had uh, several blue cards that cared about having artifacts in play. One was the Animating Fairy. I had two of the Merfolk that bounce something if you have an artifact in play. And I also had the Witch that can sacrifice foods for damage. It was like all of that makes the Oven and the Cat pretty easy to include in the stack because I'm interested in the artifacts to animate. And it, it just felt very smooth. It never felt like I drew the wrong combo piece at the wrong time and got punished for it. It was more like, okay, this is fine. This is absolutely fine. Oh, I had a Conrad in that deck too. So like the oven was sort of like extra reach in that way. And in fact, I did win a game doing that by just over a couple turns sacrificing my board to kill them. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I think the best way to describe it is smooth. Like if you have a bunch of these little mini combos that all interact well with each other or they're all working toward a similar goal... It's like just like a well-oiled machine that you can just swap parts in and out of, and the machine just keeps on turning. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Agree. Now, unfortunately, the elephant in the room, um, the drafting on arena in this format. Yeah, how, how do you want to how do you want to tackle that? So, I actually had a bit of an epiphany while I was streaming it, and I want to walk you guys through this and. It helped me put into words something that I've been feeling for the better part of 10 months, but now I think can clearly state, and I don't think I'm going nuts to say that I feel like Limited is dying and we need to help protect it. So let me just start at the beginning. Something was bothering me about Limited, and I got pretty excited about these auto chess games. I tried to get Dave into Underlords. Um, KYT has been going nuts about team fight tactics. For those of you that haven't heard about these auto chess games, you've probably been living under a rock because you have to know somebody that's been playing either team fight tactics, auto chess or underlords. But the idea of this is you're in an eight player pod. Sound familiar? You're drafting heroes from a shared pool with your opponents. 
and you're looking to form kind of mini combos as you're going through this draft experience. Something like if you get three warriors, all of your warriors get a bonus. If you get three assassins, all of your assassins get a bonus. And when you're playing it for the first couple times, it's this very creative and expressive experience, very similar to drafting in Magic, where you're like, okay, I have three hunters. What am I going to pair with it? Well, I'll probably pair the mages with it because I've got this human hunter and this human mage and they they unlock another mini little alliance and it, it, it was very fun now i did that and i played all the way to get to the like highest rank there which is lord and underlords and i've talked to some people um you know who ed dude is magic streamer mm, sasha maybe okay yes okay um he'd been playing team fight tactics and I, I engaged with him some about this and he said he had a very similar experience from that game it's like once you hit the high ranks it gets to the point where there's actually only one or two builds that are going to win. There's other builds you can play, but if you want to win, you have to build the specific thing. So the last time I played Underlords, if you wanted to win, you had to go for Warriors and Warlocks. Because that was what was going to win every lobby. So the question was, how good of a composition were you going to get for your Warriors and Warlocks group? You could also play mages if you wanted second place. And then everything else that's out there, from hunters to inventors to goblins, whatever else it is, doesn't matter. It's not good enough. And that's been solved in those games by having content patches, right? So every week or two, they'll adjust some of the numbers a little bit. And like the, I, I've heard from people that are still jamming it that right now Elusive Assassins is where it's at. And you have to draft Elusive Assassins if you want to win the lobby. And I kind of recognize that, like, the fun part of it is playing before anyone knows what the meta is. It's super fun when nobody knows what's good, because then you're having that creative experience of, I'm going to try out a new composition. But once it's solved, it gets stale pretty quick. And it gets solved super fast to the point that, like, a patch every week doesn't feel fast enough. And that's kind of bizarre to me, but with as many people playing it and focusing on it and crunching the numbers as there are out there, a day after a new patch, you can find out what the best composition is, and all of a sudden, if you want to be competitive, that's what you have to play. And I was like, that's kind of not fun. I liked the creative expressive part. And then I realized, as I was kind of losing interest in playing more Underlords, that that's exactly why I had lost interest in drafting on Arena is because it's no longer... If you want to just sit down and draft and have fun, go for it. But if you want to be competitive competitive, and you're playing with bots, it's not a creative, expressive experience where you're picking cards and looking for combos. You have a, a clear advantage if you know what the bots are undervaluing. And if you're not using that knowledge, you're just doing it wrong. So to make sure I wasn't full of crap, I tested this out. On Monday, we were supposed to podcast, and I was going to draft some, and I, I kind of felt stupid when you came in and were like, hey, Travis, have you figured anything out yet? And I was like, uh, yeah, I think it's an 18-land format, and you were like, what did you say to that? Oh, God, I don't remember. Like, welcome to last week or something like that? Yeah. Like yeah, you're basically like, you know, no crap, dude. Congratulations. I was like, man, I really need to have something better than that. And all I'd heard from everybody was about, man, I played against this one guy with a mill deck and it was so good. I was like, that's weird. I can't imagine a mill deck would be that good. But everybody kept talking about this one opponent they played with a mill deck. So we ended up not podcasting. And the next day I was like, if the mill deck's actually the best thing in the format and that's just what you should be doing, then what if I draft it? I can tell you what if I draft it. Uh, I went 12-2 and two in seven and a half hours of gameplay. By the end of it, I was bumping into people who already had 50-card decks submitted for game one. Let's let that sink in for a minute. Like I sit down <laughs> against my opponent, and they have a 50-card deck ready to go. I had one loss to Mana Screw. It happens. One loss to another mill deck. And the wins were the easiest wins I've ever seen. So if you would like to draft competitively on Arena right now, A, you're a monster. But I'm probably going to do this in rank draft and see what I can do with it and, until it drives me batty. It eventually will. But it might be fun to hit Mythic and abuse the system, and then I might get bored of it. But like, 
the the Raven card. What's that one again? Revenge of the Ravens. Revenge of Ravens. Yep. yep. You're going to see one of those. Just go ahead and take it. Uh, the most I've gotten of the Secret Keepers so far has been seven, but the bots will not take them. So if you just take every one that you see, you'll end up with somewhere between two and six. You really only need two to be able to win and then ways to recur them, to bounce them back. Uh, some removal spells. You don't even really need blockers because the O4s are so good at doing that anyway. It was fun for about the first two games. Uh, and it was fun to win for about the first seven games. And by the end of the day, when I was wrapping up game 12, like I was also playing pretty bad when I had that last loss. And I was kind of happy that I took the loss so that I could go do something else because I really didn't want to draft anymore. And I I think that is the core of the issue. And it, it kind of drove it home for me because the response to that, every time I've brought it up on stream before, is somebody says, well, all they need to do is tweak the bots so that they value the Secret Keeper and the Revenge of the Ravens higher. And I'm like, that doesn't actually solve the problem because if the bots change and start drafting those two cards better, that means that this isn't the best deck, but there's going to be something else they're not paying attention to. And whatever that is, is now the best deck. And that's the meta change, just like it was happening in the auto chess games. And whoever figures that out first has an advantage. Eventually everybody knows it. And then it's not fun. And that kind of brought me back to how magical magic drafting really is when you have eight people. Because you get an individual metagame every time you sit down at the table. And it doesn't matter to me whether you play in the pod or outside of the pod. If if we all sit down and we all think that blue-black is the best deck and four people try to draft it, some of them are going to have to get out. Or all four of them are going to have a really bad deck. And green-white, I don't know that green-white's the worst color in this format, but just as an example, if it was, if you're the only person drafting green and white at your table, your deck's going to be better than everybody else's. And we've seen this play out time and time again on arena it happened with disinformation campaign it's funny that it was blue black back then too and they changed the bots so that that wasn't the issue anymore and all of a sudden you know the gate deck is everywhere right like it it just didn't matter what the tweak was there was always a better deck to play and i don't think there's another game out there that actually replicates that that same experience of a personalized individual metagame where the creativity and the expression is actually what leads to victory. And to that end, I drafted on Magic Online today, and it was kind of awesome. I did. I saw like two Secret Keepers in the draft, not six. I, I did get a Revenge of Ravens for one deck. I, I played a blue-black deck and a green-red deck, and it was fun. And I'm probably going to draft it some more there. So I think where we are now, drafting on Magic Online is so much better than drafting on Arena, because it's drafting. Because it's drafting. Yeah, it just, it's not the same experience. And like, the other part that like is frustrating to me, how do you feel about poutine? I mean, I could take it or leave it, but as a Canadian, I should say that, man, I love it. Yeah, well, I, I, I'll i be honest. I went to visit Marty in Montreal. He got me some poutine. I'm like, this is actually really good. What if there was a group of people who were served French fries and gravy and then told, this is poutine. Might they enjoy it? They might. But they're missing out, right? Yes, absolutely they're missing out. Because that's not what it is. And there's this whole group of people who think that they're drafting, but they don't know how good it could be, right? Like, here's the thing. And it's not what they think it is. They don't know any better. And it's not that it can't be fun. It can be fun. You can have fun there, right? Like, again, if you're sitting down and doing one draft a week, you probably wouldn't even notice these things. But, like, if you focus on it and go out there and find the data and do the research and figure out what the busted deck is and then force it. And by force it, I mean I opened Mythics in colors that weren't black and blue, pack one, pick one, and took so tiny over them. And chat's going nuts and telling me I'm an idiot. And five hours later, when I finally win the draft, they're like, yo, I guess you're on to something. Like, I'm not like, I'll be open to it. I was legitimately forcing it. And it was just absolutely fine. And I I want people to experience the full flavor that poutine can offer, not just French fries and yesterday's gravy. 
French fries and yesterday's gravy and no cheese curds at all. Yeah, the cheese curds are important, man. Okay. Uh, for the record, I agree with you 100% on that, and I have no rebuttal or anything there. I think if... I think given the self-correcting nature of an eight-person draft and outside pod play like we have in leagues on Magic Online, I think Arena would be hands down like the only game that I played most days. Um, I would spend a ton of money on it. I would draft endlessly on it. I probably wouldn't play standard anymore, but that's great because Wizards would make money off of me because I'd be playing limited all the time. And, uh, And I think that I am in a funk when it comes to Arena strictly because of that. I'm like, man, I could be drafting best of three Eldraine right now, but I don't really want to have to force this deck or I don't really want to have to play against this deck all the time. And, you know, people will complain about playing outside a pod on Magic Online and how it's not a true Magic experience. It's like, it doesn't matter because most people, there are some pods, there are some draft lobbies where you will end up with an AFK or will you end up with like, a terrible drafter and and everybody's deck becomes a little bit better because of it. So not all pods pods are created equal, but over the, over the lifetime of your, your drafting experience on magic online, it will all even out in the end on arena. It's just, you know, it's just amplified to the max because all of the people that know how to abuse the system, regardless of the format, um, you know, will end up with a very good version of whatever deck they're trying to build or whatever deck they're, they're trying to force. And, and your average drafter probably just doesn't stand a chance in that. So I think in the interest of improving the draft experience for all players, not just the competitive ones, not just the, the top tier mythic players, I think we need pod drafting and I will sign your petition. I will join your crusade against it. I don't think limited is dying. Like I think, I think, I think paper limited magic online, obviously those, those two things still exist. And there are a lot of people that do enjoy what we have on, on arena. The people that only draft a few times a week, for example, or maybe the people that don't like the people that stream limited nonstop and they're okay with how the bots, like it's like a wacky sealed pool. It's like a really powerful sealed pool. In a lot of cases when you're drafting with bots, there are a lot of people that enjoy that. Um, but I think if we could go back in time and just eliminate bot drafting and just go for a year without drafting on arena entirely and come up with pod drafting out of nowhere, I don't think anybody would be worse off for it. I think we would be in a better spot, magically speaking. Now, I don't think limited is dying. I think that's a bit of an exaggeration, Um, but I would like to save limited on arena. I I will join that crusade. So I'm going to posit a little bit more evidence, and then I will step down from the soapbox and calm down a little bit. But I also want to make sure I'm coming from the right place and that people understand me. I'm arguing for this because I love magic and I love arena. And what it has done for standard is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Jamie stopped by the stream while I was in the middle of this long test. And she was like, I don't think I would have played standard if it wasn't for arena. And standard is fantastic on arena. And I I agree with her 120% there. Like, is the format right now the most wonderful format on the planet? Maybe, maybe not. Like that that's certainly up for debate. But the ease with which you can find a competitive game of standard, like whether you want best of one, best of three, ranked play, casual play, whatever you want to do, standard is freaking awesome right now. And the only reason that I'm I'm so passionate about this is that I I want to see the way that I love to play this game, A, be valued, because I know that there's other people who love to play it this way, and B, I want to share it with people. Like, I want to promote this. I want other people to see how this works and be able to find that that joy and depth in this game. And I, I think the icing on the cake for me was I was watching an Underlord streamer uh, called Bebe. He is exceptionally charismatic. He's one of, he is the top-ranked Underlords player. Like, very good stream to watch. Just a super fun chat. Like, I, I actually like this guy a lot. And somebody asked him, how do I rank up? They said, why aren't you playing the builds you say to rank up with? He said, that's kind of boring. If you want to rank up, you just force this build. But we're here today to have some fun, so I'm trying out some other things. And and that like that just stuck with me. It's like, if you want to be the best at the game, you you just find out what the broken build is and then just smash that button over and over and over. And I I still don't feel like it's wacky sealed. I still don't understand why we don't have sealed as a ranked format. Like a lot of this is solved if you have best of three ranked sealed. And I I honestly don't 
super care what it costs, like take my money, just give me that format. And I'm also not, I don't think that I want to do away with bot drafting forever. I don't want it to just die. I want it to go to a place where people can have it if they want it. And new players can come and have that experience because I, I can certainly see how it would be absolutely overwhelming to come into magic without any experience drafting and be expected to pick the best card out of 16 in, you know, two minutes, barely understanding what any of them do. So I think it's a great way for new players to learn how to play. I, and, and I thought that's what it was. And that by this time we'd have real drafts. And I also didn't think it would get quite this bad to where there was one deck that you could just absolutely force and have an overwhelmingly positive win rate with. I, I'm kind of tempted to be like, I'm going to force Mythic doing this when they finally put this out as the rank draft format, just to kind of drive home this point. Do we know when that starts? That should start pretty quick, right? I think it's this Friday. I mean, that seems like a pretty good use of your Friday. <laughs> no, no. Watching paint dry sounds like a better use of my Friday. Like, l- let me elaborate that it is it is not fun to do that, right? Like, imagine that you went to your draft at F&M, and they were like, hey, Dave, here's your deck. How would that feel? I mean, is it a good deck? It, what are the prizes like? Can I win the promos if I go 3-0? Uh, if, if you win, you don't have to pay. But if you lose, you owe them $10. I mean, how is that any different than what happens now? It's probably not actually that much difference. But like, <laughs> I was going to say, like, you're, you're cutting out like an hour out of my experience, but that's okay. I get to play Magic still. No, I, I know what you're saying, though, right? Like, the drafting por- is the portion that is fun. Yeah. And, and th- that creative expression, which is funny because it's an interesting, like, juxtaposition when you compare it to Standard. Because Standard is very much about finding the broken deck. Mm-hmm. Right? And and so so you mentioned that it's like you like you like standard when there's a broken deck and you can learn that inside and out and abuse that, but limited when there's a broken forcible deck in arena that completely kills your experience. And I, th- I think that's an interesting. Not to say like the, the, that you're a hypocrite because of it, because I completely agree. Standard is an entirely different beast. Standard is more about expressing a mastery over your deck, whereas limited is about. I mean, you described it as like painting a picture um, and like limited is about creating that deck and expressing your mastery of the, of the format, the limited format, which I think is a completely different beast than mastering your deck and the matchups and building a sideboard for the meta. And in, in standard, a lot of the game happens before you enter the tournament in your deck selection and your sideboard selection, whereas limited, a lot of the game is during the deck building, the drafting, and then also the gameplay, I think, is significantly different. So I find it interesting, but not calling you out on being a hypocrite or anything. I wouldn't do that. Well, there's certainly something to it, but I think that's why I was always drawn to Limited before. Like, for a long time, I had a sponsorship where I could have any card I wanted to on Magic Online, and I used that to play Modern every once in a while when there was a PTQ coming up but I didn't sit and jam standard every once in a while. Ray guest of the podcast would show up and be like, Hey Travis, here's a cool standard list. You want to try it? And I'd play it for an afternoon, but I'd always find myself back to drafting, you know, and I, I think you're right. But I think what you're calling out is that standard and draft on arena right now are kind of the same thing. There's not actually a, bit, a yeah. difference between them. So having access to both means, you know, I'm not, well, I guess it's actually like if standard is dinner and draft is dessert, I was just eating dessert all the time, but now there's never any dessert. It's all just cheeseburgers and like cheeseburgers are great, but I need some ice cream every once in a while and I miss my ice cream. So that's why I've been on magic online. And if you come back to the stream and you see me on magic online drafting, like lol MTG arena, classic lol, these graphics are so bad, but my God, I had fun this morning. And like, I just, I didn't the day before. And I think that's important if you're going to make streaming a career. Cause like we talked about this, some in the pregame show, there was a while about a month and a half ago, where if you came by my stream, you could tell that I was miserable and I couldn't exactly figure out why, but I was a grumpy old fart. And like, I don't want that to be my life. I don't want that to be my stream. I don't want that to be my image or what people think of me. So like, I got, I got to do what I got to do to stay sane. And I, I think drafting on Magic Online may actually be what that is. Everything old is new again. 
Well, I mean, they're doing like World of Warcraft classic and Stranger Things has got this cool 80s vibe and people are digging that. Like, I see you on Battle.net, Dave. I know you're playing. Like, everybody's into this old stuff. We're a nostalgia generation. So let's let's go back to let's go back to Magic Online. I uh I downloaded the Super Nintendo Classic <laughs> uh console for uh the Switch mm-hmm. and I've been playing uh Legend of Zelda uh Link to the Past. I can still hear the music in my head as if I did when I was a kid. So nostalgia gaming is absolutely a thing, but I mean, we're just looking for a good draft experience. Me, yeah. I find it in paper. You, you find it on Magic Online and if it was on Arena, they would they would just make so much money off of me. So Wizards, if somebody's at, at Wizards if you're listening, we're we're not criticizing you. It's constructive, I hope, criticism, um, or you know, suggestions for how we think that arena could be better. But you would make so much money off of me. Like I have, I have disposable income. Check. I have free time sometimes. Maybe not this month. Check. And I have a desire to spend my money on products that I enjoy. Check. I am like your target audience. Let me throw... I'm I'm throwing money at my computer screen and it's not going in. Like, give me a way to throw it at you. That's what I want. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I think I think we've ranted enough about that, unless you have anything else. I, I do just want to add that even though it's not 100% my jam, Standard's pretty damn good on Arena right now. And, like, that's that's what makes me... I don't know if jealous is the right word, excited is the right word... Um, and I, I've had a couple people in chat hypothesize that their focus is on no queue times, no wait times. You click, you're playing immediately. And I think that's a very worthy goal. I don't know if that's doable in real limited, if you're charging for it, that there would be zero wait times. And I suspect that that's one of the issues that they're dealing with. And like, my hope is that they, they figure out a workaround there. Or, like, accept that people are going to have to sit and do a queue for a little bit. Or maybe it's so dang popular that, you know, the queues fire immediately. I'm not sure what the answer is, but I know what I want. I know what I don't want. And right now, drafting on Arena is not something I want. I mean, as far as queue times, like, anytime I've drafted or played Seal, I've never had, a like, more than a 30-second wait. So I don't think you would ever wait for games if you had pod drafting. Yeah. Um, what you might wait for is for the, the pod to fire. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Would be the only thing I could see. But like, you know, it sucks on Magic Online when nobody's playing on it and you wait for 15 minutes and don't get a queue to fire. Like, that's happened to me a few times. But like, it stands to reason that the arena player base is like massive compared to the Magic Online player base. Like, you're looking at like 1,600 players, active players, like active decks that may not be online playing right now in a in a draft environment in any given time like you're looking you'd be looking at least 50 times that is my guess yeah uh when it comes to arena assuming that enough of your players migrate over from the bot drafting right and i mean whatever i'm not going to speculate on the economics of of a magic arena all that much like that's not my jam i'm sure somebody out there could figure it out but like you're you're probably right to some extent um and but I, I don't think that would hold them back i think that they're popular enough now that 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 shouldn't be an excuse for them i think that that it's a matter of prioritizing it and figuring out if they can make money off of it so if they think they can make money off of it they would have it yeah maybe it's maybe that's the case maybe they don't think they can make money off of it but We'll see. I, all right. One last thing, then I'll shut up and we can wrap this up because I had in the interest of calling Travis out on hypocrisy, this didn't actually apply to me, but somebody made an excellent point in the stream that I wanted to address as well. They said a lot of people went nuts when they switched from pod drafting to league play on magic online. And they're correct. A lot of people freaked out about that. For reference, you can do pod play on magic online again. So if that's your jam and you've missed it, you can go on magic online and play that right now. Um, and they, they asked me if that bothered me. And I said at the time it did, but after I got to play with it, I decided it didn't matter that much, that it was worth it to get right into the games. And they said, so that was a concession for time. And I said, well, it, at the time it was a concession for time. And then I recognized that that didn't matter. And they said, well, the only thing that drafting with bots does is a different concession for time because now you have instant drafts on demand. And I was like, in a way, let's say that that 
you do want pod play and that bothers you, but you made a concession for time for league play. That's kind of like, I don't want to cook dinner tonight, so we'll just get a cheeseburger. Whereas, like, to me, the bot drafting is almost like, I'll just eat dirt. Like, it's it's not the same thing, right? Like, or it's like you, 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 you go to your favorite restaurant and you're used to getting a steak and they're like, well, it would take 40 minutes to make your steak, but I could get you a cheeseburger in five and you're really hungry and you're like, okay, I'll take the cheeseburger as opposed to showing up and they just hand you a bun and are like, here you go. Like that, that's, that's just not what I'm looking for, but I'm, I'm going to stop beating this dead horse and let Dave take us home. I was going to say the, the, the bot drafting just exaggerates and emphasizes the, the minor problems that people would have had with cross pod play. Yeah. Cause in car in cross pod play, you're like, well, I'm going to play against busted rares and mythics that I didn't have a chance to see in my draft pool because blah, 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 blah. Right. Or like, buddy over there got to draft the best version of the deck because he's drafting against seven noobs picture that except every single deck you face is drafting against seven noobs yeah exactly right that's that's the problem where it's just taking it from like a 0.1 percent of an impact to like a 25 to 30 percent impact on your enjoyment of the of the draft experience but people that don't like cross pod play i understand you i disagree with you that's fine we can have those differences Leagues, leagues were great, man. You remember the old days? Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go back to those old days. Yeah, me, me neither. Like I played entire video games uh, while waiting for for drafts to fire. I beat Portal. I got like thirty hours into Stellaris while waiting for rounds to fire. Back before I was streaming, I had a book at my computer desk, and I would literally read chapters of a book while waiting for the games to fire. That's what I did when I was recording videos. I'd do the draft, I'd I'd play the first round, and then I'd read, you know, two chapters of a book and then go and do the next one and click record. Everything old is new again. Yep. We've come full circle. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm done there. I've I've had my rants. Actually, I didn't really rant on the podcast. I ranted more in the pregame show. So if you're interested, patrons can listen to the pregame show. <laughs> We're at patreon.com slash arena athletes or arena underscore athletes. I forget which one we are. It's underscore arena underscore athletes. Okay. There you go. I actually don't, uh, I have it bookmarked. I don't have to type in the URL very much. So if you're interested in listening to me rant on the pregame and it is actually, I think a good one today. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can go check that out. If you're in, if you, if you want to follow us on Twitter so you can catch all of our updates, we're at twitter.com slash arena underscore athletes. Travis, where can they catch you drafting classic Magic Arena this week? That, or maybe building that Abzan deck you talked about to really screw with Golos. Uh, it's at twitch.tv slash Simulan, and I'm on Twitter under the same, at Simulan, S-E-M-U-L-I-N. And I am at Twitch and Twitter at DCivilian, that's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N. I've neglected my streaming duties this last few weeks. Life is busy. I hope to get back there. We'll do a little uh, arena bot drafting, uh, maybe when uh, the the ranked format comes out this weekend. Hopefully we'll see you there. (laughs) He said duty. (laughs) Get out of here. Once again, thanks to -to Face-to-Face Games for the support and the host. We'll catch you next time. Adios.